and welcome to the Talking Heads podcast with Lucy and Saul, two head gardeners in Essex and Devon. In light of the coronavirus crisis we are living in and the drastic changes in horticulture happening up and down the UK, we both realised that bringing a regular glimpse into the gardens we look after might bring a little joy and interest. So for the foreseeable future, Talking Heads will now be a shorter podcast where Lucy and I bring you snippets of our daily lives in our gardens as spring unfurls. We'll also bring you news of gardens and gardeners, nurseries and nursery folk throughout the UK. So sit back, take a few minutes out of your day and tune into a small dose of our gardening lives. Lucy, uh, I have a bit of a confession to make about the last podcast. Um, <laughs> do do you do you saw? I have no uh, idea what that might be. So uh, on Monday, <laughs> I may not have been at Stonelands where I really should have been. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, classic! It's so it was classic when um when between us we realised in the day it was like yeah. suddenly the penny dropped because I was speaking to you and you were talking about what you were doing in your garden and I was like, oh, <laughs> "What's he doing there?" Yeah. And then I think <laughs> I tell you what I was embarrassed because I had to get in touch with the owner at Stoneland's to say I'm so sorry, but I had no idea. Do you know? And I, I and I was just saying before we uh, we started recording, I definitely think it's down to the fact that I've been on my own for six weeks. And uh, it's I've been in this bubble, and literally the nothing has permeated that bubble about the outside world. And this is classic because I had no idea they changed it to this Friday, uh, which is tomorrow while we're recording. <laughs> no, and uh, what you could do if you were being really savvy about it is that you could actually this week have two bank holidays if you wanted to, and not go into work tomorrow. But you have decided because you are very conscientious, and I do know that about you that you are going to go to work tomorrow to make up for your absence on Monday, and you are going to. Look at the swimming pool that they ask you to, and you're going to do all the. Are you, are you going to do lots of, um, what we call eye candy jobs? You're going to do lots of mulching and lots of uh, stuff that's Mow- mowing. <laughs> yep. uh, the stripes are going to be extra sharp tomorrow <laughs> yep. to make up for my uh, indiscretion. <laughs> and I've decided. I know it's VE day tomorrow, and I'll put a union jack on the back of the the mower, and I'll drive up and down the lawn with a union jack furling behind Brilliant. me just for VE day. Brilliant. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> It's such a shame because Monday I did so much garden of my own garden. Um, you know, like you, um, our gardens, personal gardens, are looking fabulous mm. because we've spent so much more time in them. I'm not visiting gardens or going to buy more plants. I'm actually focusing on the plants I have actually bought yeah, for once. I know it's delicious, isn't it? To be honest, like I, say, I never ever get to spend so much time in my garden because I'm looking after other people's or I say life gets in the way. You're doing other stuff and you, 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 there's things that take priority over your own garden. You're always put that down at the bottom of the list sadly but this year no and it's it's utterly utterly delicious it really really is I'm so enjoying it so I've I was um mentioning earlier to you before we recorded that I'm actually starting now to harvest the fruits of my labors which has been so so lovely I've had um a lot of basil in pots that I've been pinching the tips out of and obviously they find their way into a green curry or a sort of pesto or something like that and now it's really cranking up in the kitchen garden it's absolutely lovely we've had we've had the forced rhubarb we've had the asparagus we're still cropping the asparagus and we've got another four weeks to go which is oh it's just so lovely we've um we have been having quite a lot of asparagus i do like it with scrambled egg and i do like it on its own with loads of butter and tonight i am gonna go a bit fancy uh i have lately got into buying these um 
frozen puff pastry sheets and they are amazing for making pies um so asparagus has been winding its way into my uh chicken and mushroom pie but also now tonight i am attempting to make and this is a first for me but i do love my cooking and i'm going to see how it goes i'm going to make an asparagus spinach bacon and mushroom tart with the puff pastry sheet so so I'm going to wing it a little Lovely. bit. I do like this. What I tend to do is I look at three or four recipes that I like the look of, and then I take the elements of those that I think, yeah, I can do that, <laughs> and I sort of morph mm. it into one. Hope it's going to work. Normally it tends to be okay, uh, but yeah, with, there's going to be like an egg and a cheese kind of sauce to combine it all together. And um, oh. we've got what's motivated me because I always get inspired for recipes by what I've got in the garden. And now the asparagus has, has this week been joined by my spinach. My spinach, I've got one called Amazon, which is an F1 hybrid. It's gone nuts. Absolutely nuts. That's a true spinach? That's a true spinach. This is an annual spinach, so not perpetual. It's not the New Zealand spinach. It's an annual spinach that I sowed way back in February in my greenhouse in little modular cells. And then I transplanted it out, I think it was sometime in early April. Uh, under these cloches, which if you've been looking at my Twitter feed lately, uh, I, I did put a very short 10 second video up about my glass cloches that we've been using and they've, they've been really, really successful. I'm so happy with them. So um, they've been under the cloches for a month. Suddenly, in, I mean, this warm weather, they've just gone completely crazy and the, the leaves are as big as your hand, absolutely as big as your hand. And um, so picked a whole load of that uh, the other day and I was like, what can I do with it? So this is tonight's experiment in the kitchen. I might even, if it, I'm rubbish at doing, this is why I'm not Instagram. I don't do photographs that look very pretty. I, I've attempted to do this and it doesn't work. And I haven't, normally once you've cooked something, you just want to eat it. You don't want to be photographing it either, do you? So, um, I, I might, if it looks okay, I might photograph it or I just, I might be too hungry. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Might have a big bite out of one side before (laughs) you photograph it. Exactly. That'd be brilliant. It's interesting, isn't it, veg gardens? The one big bit of advice I give everyone, and I know everyone wants a lot of advice, especially now on grow your own, how to grow things, how to mm. sow seeds. But the one thing I always come back to when I talk to my trainees about the veg garden is the old saying, cut your cloth to your means. Mm. And it's especially so in the veg garden because everyone gets a bit carried away at this time of year, sowing everything under the sun, loads of veg. And then when it comes to actually using it, at the other end, it can be quite difficult, especially when the gluts occur, etc. So I always say, if you're planning a veg garden, actually start at the end. Think about exactly what you like to eat, what you're going to be able to use. You know, if you're not a good cook, are you actually going to use half this stuff? It's always worth, um, you know, trying out new recipes and then thinking, well, yeah, maybe next year I will grow my own spinach or I will grow... um, an ingredient for a certain recipe that I really like mm. uh, and and I think on a big scale like our gardens at East Donlands and Stonelands it's it, you know the size of our um, kitchen gardens we can grow a huge amount of stuff but then where does half of it go and especially for me I know that your resident um, your owners are resident there permanently but my owners aren't uh, they're there now and again and it can be quite random so it's quite hard for me to plan in advance exactly when I'm going to be harvesting stuff for them to go in the house. So I've come up with a little system over six years where I don't grow anything that is the um, sort of classic uh, ephemeral veg, the quick growing catch crops like radishes, lettuces, salad leaves, because I know that they're all going to look great 
and then no one's going to be there to eat them. And as as much of a glutton as I am, as you know I am, and I do like my food, I can't eat about, you know, 20 heads of uh, of lettuce with a load of radishes. A, I'm not a big radish fan anyway, so it's not something I, I, I eat a lot of. But I think it is worth thinking a bit in reverse when it comes to uh, growing your own veg and thinking, what do I like and how much of it am I actually going to eat when it comes to harvesting it? Yeah, yeah. I, I know, I do agree. And I, but I also think there's room to experiment and try things because I would not have tried dill had I not grown it at the hall. And now for myself in my own garden, I do grow large amounts of dill and I've worked out I can freeze it. Um, I literally just pinch um, the sprigs of it when it's sort of at harvest time and I put that into a, a, a plastic bag just as it is obviously washed and then I'll put it in the freezer and once it's frozen solid you scrunch it up in your hands and it, it, it chops it up for you that's what the scrunching up does because it's so brittle then and then I add it to um, a butter and mayonnaise and make a really really nice sort of like dill sauce to go with fish and all sorts of other lovely stuff mm. um, but I would not have grown dill had I not as I say, sort of experimented with that at the hall and thought, oh, do you know what? This is really, really nice. Um, and radishes, I, I do know what you mean, but I have to say the radishes at the hall have become ready again this last week or so. And I, <laughs> I, the owners, I hope they're not listening because what I tend to do is the first harvest of the season, I will have a little bit of that myself. So I, <laughs> Literally did that lovely thing. I picked the radishes out of the greenhouse border. They're in a, an unheated greenhouse on the sunny side. I've got them all sown in the border. There's some French breakfast and some sparklers. So the round red and the one with the white, long one with the white tip French breakfast. Wiped it on my jeans. Did wash it under the tap because I saw it stuck to it a little bit. And it was straight in my mouth. That was it. It was, and I had, a, oh, wow. I, I had two or three of them and I was like, you know, Lucy, you've got to stop. These have got to now go into the house because I know that one of the owner, um, the, 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 the wife in the household, she absolutely loves the, uh, radishes herself. So I, but I, I'm, I like to think that I'm quality controlling. So I like to think I'm taking my job very seriously as head gardener. Have they gone pithy? Has the, have I have I missed the window of opportunity for these radishes? Have they gone all sp- spongy and pithy in the centre? Are they big enough? Mm. Do they taste all right? So I, you know, I'm taking my job seriously. Do you know I do exactly the same with the asparagus? I harvest a good ten spears, and at least one of the spears ends up in my mouth somehow. <laughs> Don't know how that happens. No, nope. I got to say there is nothing better than raw asparagus. I absolutely adore yeah. munching the head off an asparagus while I'm harvesting the rest of it. And today I harvest. I must have harvested about twenty spears. So I think if they're missing one, I don't think it's going to be too much of a problem. No, no, um, it's chef's I, perks, isn't it? Really, head gardener's perks are are the same ex- thing. Exactly. So, yeah, the lettuces exactly. at the hall. I've been. I do take those into the to the hall completely. So I cut the whole lettuce off, and I'll take the whole lettuce into them. But the way I treat my lettuces at home is I actually I'll take off the individual outer leaves. Um, only you know not when they're old and leathery. We know when they're still quite nice and succulent and small. And then I can get a long succession of harvesting from those lettuce plants rather than cutting one head. But I know that the owners don't come into the garden very much, so they would actually probably prefer a whole head of lettuce. Um, so you, as you say, depending on the way you um, you want to harvest the the crop, it, it um, you, you you can have different ways to do both things, can't you? Yeah, it, it's it's interesting because you say that the owners don't get out in the garden. It's the same with my owners. I think they rely on me to uh, bring them what I think is 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 best, and in some ways that also tailors exactly what I grow because. I, 
Stones and East Donland are big gardens. We've got a lot more than just the kitchen gardens. I know we do talk about our kitchen gardens quite a lot, but there is a lot more. So I don't want to spend too although i love spending time in the kitchen garden i don't want to spend too much time um with very fussy uh vegetables that either for growing or for harvesting so over the years a lot of vegetables i've sort of weeded out because they're just too difficult to grow lettuce is a classic because they're either bolting for me or a pest comes along or voles munched on them or the, they they never quite look like you can get at the supermarket which i'm always ashamed about because they're just full of holes and all kinds of things so i've sort of semi given up on lettuces which is a shame but um i'm i very much concentrate on beach the things like beetroot a lot of the uh, celeriacs mm -hmm. kohlrabi uh, things like that because i can always grow them well and, and the owners like making stews and things like that so it's also also worth getting to know and this is a lot harder because there is at private properties, there is always this little bit of distance between you and the owners. You know, you never really get to know them hugely well. So trying to get to know their eating habits yeah. can be one of the, the tricks of the trade. It takes now, time. This is where yeah. it does take time to understand what they like to eat, when they like to eat and what they like to cook. Mm. Uh, for example, my owners occasionally like to crack out the barbecue and uh, they really like uh, corn on the cob or the sweet corn when that happens. And I like to make sure that there's plenty of sweet corn that they can throw on the barbecue. So it, it, there is that strange um, sort of, whenever I go in the kitchen, <laughs> I hope they're not listening now. Whenever I go into the kitchen, I'm trying to have a little sneaky look at the kind of things they might be cooking or what's going on in their fridge occasionally, just to get an idea of the kind of things they like. You know, I know they love tomatoes and when tomatoes happen, I can take them in a bowl of 40 tomatoes and I know they'll disappear instantly. Yeah. But occasionally I do get, if I take them in a lot of beetroot, I know they don't eat it all. So it, some of it comes back. So it's sort of tailoring exactly uh, what I harvest to according to their preferences but like you say luckily Hegana's perks come in there so anything they don't have come home with me and then I can <laughs> eat them at home which is always a real nice thing yeah no I, I agree completely I've learned over the years what the owners like and what they expect me to produce for them and what they they still like me to, because they've got this big like I say, two-thirds of an acre wall kitchen garden they like to see it productive they like to see it full of produce but they don't necessarily want to eat all of it. They want to see it growing. And so I've learned mm. this, you know, and I think, well, okay, fair enough. I would much rather grow this stuff and have it as like a showcase garden, as it were. Um, and then maybe not much of the, for example, maybe the, the Swiss chard. They love seeing Swiss chard and, uh, and yet they, they don't want to be eating a massive amount of it. But I always have to grow a good couple of drills of it, which are one in the spring and then one in, that I sow in the autumn. Um, and I, I, I think it's, from our point of view as well, from a head gardener's point of view, you don't want to be growing produce in a kitchen garden that your owners aren't consuming. It's disheartening in that sense as mm. well. So I do think it's a way of, as you say, it's sort of asking, um, you know, I, I, I do know now that the, the owners love artichokes, that globe artichokes, absolutely love them. They always want French runner beans. They do love a concession of um, uh, radishes and lettuce. Uh, uh, they want fresh peas in the pod that they can literally just pick and pop in their mouths. So, so there's. A, I'm, I'm lucky that, as I say, they're there all the time, and I can grow this lovely range of crops. Um, but if you grow stuff and they don't eat it, I, I was sort of um, explaining to a friend. I said it's a bit like you. They give you the all the, the ingredients to bake a cake. So you 
bake that cake, but it's taken you maybe eight weeks to get the ingredients ready. And actually, then you bake that cake and then you take it into the house and they go, oh, thank you. And then the cake sits there. And then it goes mouldy mm. on the on the work surface and goes stale, and you think, mm. well, what was the point of that? So, um, yeah, I must admit, as I say, if 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 you have that relationship with your uh, own the, the the estate owners, you can find out exactly what they like to eat. I would thoroughly thoroughly recommend Absolutely. doing it because otherwise, it's it's not really not really a, a fruitful exercise. It's the other interesting thing you just said there is about the aesthetics mm. of a kitchen garden. Now, I think this is something that has changed over the decades because vegetable gardens, kitchen gardens were very much practical spaces on estates, or, or that's what they used to be. I, I I don't think they were viewed much their aesthetics, whereas you. Go, come forward to today and a lot of our kitchen gardens whether it's at our private estates or whether it is at places like Knights Hayes, Westine uh, we've just had that um, brilliant interview with Tom yeah. Brown the head gardener there uh, obviously Westine's got a, a fabulous kitchen garden and those brilliant greenhouses but they're very much gardened on an aesthetical quality these days. I, I know you've been to Stoners and you've seen my um, kitchen garden. You know it's surrounded by those espalier apples. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful, central mm. gre- greenhouse. Everything proportioned, beds laid out. And part of me in my head is always thinking, how good is this kitchen garden looking? Without thinking really, oh, are the veg any good to eat? <laughs> you know, straight lines, make sure everything's equal. You know, lots of nice flowers. We've got a lot of cut flowers in there. Mm. Uh, nice arches with the the vines properly pruned. Uh, and there's a lot of that. And, and sometimes I think I'm just making this place look nice when sometimes I'd like to make sure that what I'm growing is firstly edible but secondly really tasty but sometimes i think there has been a subtle change in the fact that lots of people see their kitchen gardens as an extension of the garden a very aesthetic space rather than it being as practical and uh, uh, you know for veg as it used to be yeah yeah i think the idea would be both wouldn't it like you say if you've got a kitchen yeah. garden that you know is both productive and really aesthetically pleasing as well then that would be that's the that's the dream, and that's what we all strive towards. I think as head gardeners, mm. with a kitchen garden on our estate, um, yeah, make something that you said we're supposed to eat with our eyes. So let's grow something that looks absolutely stunning, tastes delicious. The owners eat it, everybody's happy. So that's today's podcast. We hope you enjoy this shortened format and the look at our lives and our gardens. Hopefully, you'll tune in again soon to hear about what we're up to. We understand that for many, life has changed in ways not imagined during the start of this year. Our thoughts especially go out to all our colleagues and peers in horticulture that have been drastically affected, and we hope that life will return and, like all good plants, flower again much better than before. In the meantime, please do get out into your gardens, support your local small specialist nurseries, and enjoy time out from this extraordinary shift in ordinary life. Until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! goodbye!